We've got a code. Use code VOLLEYPOD for 20% off almost anything on the Art of Coaching Volleyball website, including premium memberships, coaching resources, and nearly all books. That's VOLLEYPOD, V-O-L-L-E-Y-P-O-D. Use it to save anytime you're on the site. Are you ready to take your volleyball game to the next level? Every week on the Volleypod, we talk to two top coaches who share their secrets for success on the court. From drills to build skills to strategies for boosting confidence, you won't want to miss this valuable advice. Tune in now and elevate your game today. Good morning and welcome to the Volleypod. How are you today, Todd? Davis, I'm just coming off that uh, sweet win by my alma mater's basketball yes, team, let's go. the Aztecs. Last second shot, send us to the final game. Who would have thunk it? Who would have thought what Our a little run. scrappy Aztecs. Yes, I was just saying when I was going to state, I could just walk straight down to the front row and enjoy everything. <laughs> no <laughs> longer. Don't think that'll be the case any longer. So. No longer. So, yeah, so we got a great pod in store today, and All I believe right. you're up on the skill. All right. So what are we I, talking about today? We have an, an interesting one. I've been playing around with this a little bit and watching the practices lately, and that is it's a coaching skill. And it's teaching your team to play with heart. Oh, I love this one. So if we talk about, oh, that team just plays with a lot of heart. I remember, uh, you don't remember Kristen Wright? Yes, of course. She is now at a Florida school. where I, Florida, one of the Florida schools down there. But anyway, Kristen, you know, we would play her team every year. And she was at Tri-City Christian back in the day. Mm -hmm. And I don't think they ever got us, but I left every match going, that team plays harder than we do. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> they got a bigger heart than oh us. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, she was and the best. So, so, she, so her team just played so hard. And so how do we do that? How do we – so that's, that's what we're about. I, I think it starts with a philosophical framework okay. is if, you know, what are you all about? And, you know, for, for us, we've talked about this before. We have this kind of ETA – framework for our philosophy and uh it's effort team this attitude but the e is effort right and it comes first and for me it's it's important and i have to be diligent in in reinforcing that all the time yes and in doing so i really i i think about it in the uh i think we mentioned this up before too this the the four levels of learning I think so, but okay. remind everyone. Yeah. Okay, so the first one is what we call unconscious incompetence. Yes. Okay, um, you're bad and you don't know. It. And <laughs> right. the the example I always give uh, the players are like they're navy guys out playing on the beach, right? <laughs> right. And so they're knocking a volleyball around. And I was when I was I was coaching, I used to coach some pro beach women out there, and these guys were all, hey, they want to come over and they want to play these pro beach women, right? <laughs> And so, uh, you know, these are handsome Navy guys, a pro beach women. Oh, yeah, sure, we'll play. And so they play a game, and it's like 21 to 2. <laughs> right. And all of a sudden, these Navy guys go, hmm, okay. <laughs> they have moved from the first stage, unconscious incompetence. They were bad, and they didn't know they were bad. Now, the second stage is conscious incompetence. They're still bad. Right. But now they know they're bad. Right. And then they can start working on it. So they come down to the beach and they start playing every day. And these are, you know, athletic guys and maybe, you know, athletes in another realm. And so they get better and better. And then they play the girls, let's say, two months later. 
Okay. And now the score is maybe 21 to 14 or something. Okay. And they are moving from that conscious incompetence to the third stage, conscious competence. They're getting good, but they have to kind of think about what they're doing. They go, oh, my arm has to do this. I have to take this three-step approach. I have to do this when I serve. And then finally, maybe a couple years later, they come in and they battle these pro beach women. They're into this fourth stage, unconscious competence. I love it. So yes. they're good and they're not thinking about what they're doing all the time. So how does this relate to our, our uh, subject? And really what I think is if our players don't know when their effort is bad, then they, they are stuck in the first level, unconscious incompetence. They don't know that they made that error. So for me, I have to be super disciplined and super diligent about showing them, wait a minute, that's an effort error right there. You're not making that move. And if they don't know, then they keep doing it. That's a great point. And it's like kind of the old Ants and Dorrance stuff. But hey, it's hard. It's hard to, because it's negative, right? Right. And you want to, hey, we want to spread the love and be positive. But hey, catching people when they're making a poor effort, uh, they don't like it. Uh, and I don't necessarily enjoy it. Right. 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 But. It's a it's an important job for me. It's important for sure. So how do I do it? And I'm gonna have uh, I'm gonna give you ten another little list. All right. Ten things that I have to do where there has to be some consequence to this. I can't just let it go. Okay. And we want to let it go. And we want to play and we want to practices to flow. But these are times when nope, we got to stop. And so hey, serve receive is super important. And the first three have to do with serve receive. So the first one is movement and serve receive. That is, the ball is served out to the sideline or end line. Yep. And does do we move? I like it. And if we don't move, then, hey, that's poor effort. We're not moving before the ball is being uh, crossing the net and serve receive. So we have to move. I add to that ball served into the net. So if a ball okay. served into the net, players have to have moved, moved, called the ball, and got their platform out. I love All it. three things. So that's high effort, right? So we want that in serve, receive. Next one, number two, serve, receive again. Clipper response, I love ball clips the net. Are we letting that ball land? Are our setters aware? Are our front row players aware? And do we get a belly on the ground if we don't get it? I love that. And so we're never standing there going, oh, bad luck. No, it's not bad luck. It's, I didn't do a good enough job training it. Right, That's So point. Uh, clipper response. Uh, number three, serve, receive again, serve, receive two bouncer, second tempo, that ball that comes over the net and the bottom just drops out of it at like 12 or 13 feet. What do we look like there? And for me, Hey, you got to get your belly on the ground and give it up for your team on that one. Get extended. And if you don't extend out and throw your hands under the ball, Hey, it's not, it's not easy not comfortable but if you're on one knee and that ball lands in front of you and you don't get your belly on the ground hey that's an effort that's a lack of effort error and it's a point for the other team absolutely right yeah. all they had to do is serve they could have been you know smoking cigarettes over there the other five players all they have to do is serve and they get an ace uh next we go from serve receive next to our setter okay. well, what does our setter look like on a tight pass oh i like this one and I want the setter either Mac jumping to get it high or on a knee to get it low. Okay. And that's the effort. It's, there's nothing in the middle. 
We don't want him in the middle, kind of standing up and trying to scoop it out of the net. We think that's lazy. I like this one. That's so, a good point. Uh, either one. We don't want him in that medium. Oh, I didn't. No. Did you max jump? <laughs> right. Right. So max jump or take it low. And we'll, <laughs> ideally, we'd like him to take it high. Right. Okay. First priority. Uh, next, number five is a, just kind of a classic one. Uh, defending the tipper roll shot. And do we get on our belly on that? And hey, uh, it's not, the, oh, my bad. No, <laughs> you either on your, you either make a move for it or you don't. And hey, you don't know if you can get it if you don't make the move. And so it's unacceptable not to make the move. I love that. That's so one. Uh, next one, what we call flow behind, our middle back movement. And when that ball is tipped, is our middle going always going behind? So that deep tip, you were teaching it the other day in practice. Yep. And I, I don't like that a lot because I think that good teams, the ball's in the air and it's not hit very hard. And I think good teams pick it up if the players are... On assignment, really. right? And so the idea of our flow behind stuff with our middle back, uh, we always try to do that in serve receive. If you know we want our middle going behind our wings, and so that so if that ball is shanked behind us, we're pursuing, right? And they have that responsibility. It's not like oh, it's out of play and we don't go for it. So we have that flow behind movement. Uh, number seven is one I think we had an episode before, yep. and that is coverage all about effort and it's hey that's about effort and okay can you get into that posture get your eyes working and get into that low posture before the ball's attacked and if we watch video a lot of times we can say oh we are tardy yes. we are late our Rolling effort level it. is low yes and can we have that expectation that it's going to be blocked so uh next what we call PIDs, P-Y-D, yes. is play your deflections. And this is one where players, hey, they block it and they got to go get it. And a lot of times I see it in practice where player blocks it, even in a blocking drill. We want them to do that all the time because we think it doesn't happen very often. Right. Uh, so uh, we do that. Oh, back to back to the coverage, of course. My, my favorite one is, you know, we cover out of the net. Uh, like that and that yeah. so if we cover out of the net all the time that gives us more time to reinforce that idea of hard coverage i like that yes really good next uh number nine is attacker trance okay and the idea of the idea of fighting to get off the net yes. and they go oh well it was, somebody was in my just kid did you fight to get off the net and are you really working to do that? Especially our middles. We want to set our middles. We want those middles fighting in trans to get off the net. I like, I like the, the term fighting because the whole flow is going the other way yep. and you're going the opposite way. Yep. So it's like a salmon swimming upstream. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like it's hard. It is. Yeah. It's not easy. Uh, and then the last one is what we call second ball defense. I like that. And what do we look like on erratic digs? And the one that, that I, my favorite one is when the middle turns and transitions and there's a low dig in the middle of the court. Can the middle get on her belly and reach out and oh, save it? Yes. I love and that stuff. that is like a big hearted middle for me. Yes. That's a big heart play. Absolutely. So, so cool. when those things happen in practice, I have to stop them. And you might be saying, hey, you're stopping all the time. Well, that is part, I think, of the uh, the art 
to how do we do that and still keep a flow going in practice uh and we have a little thing we've done with with my high school team where if the players catch themselves in this situation oh, I like this. they'll do a fast floor move and just do one fast one and then we'll just keep playing because the ball's out of play if they don't catch it and i catch it then i can give whatever number i want uh and i think i have to raise the bar on that i still think we're getting too comfortable even doing three floor moves i'm not sure that when people are doing those individual floor moves they're effort on those floor moves is 100%. And so then am I really getting what I want? So I think next year after it happens once, I think then we stop and we get into block training. I love that. And we yeah. say, hey, we go what we call half and half. And our half and half is we get half the players out there. I make them make that belly move with balls that are in front of them. They have to lay out. They have to dig it at least net height. So they have to get it at least that high. And the other group that's out has to catch okay and so they have to catch 10 that are at least net height after they catch 10 we switch the other team does it the other half of the team and then we go back to playing after that i like that so one. it's like hey we got to practice i can't just say oh you have no effort you have to practice that max effort i like that. and if they're not doing it then we have to practice it more often so you know the one that do you remember carl seiler coach carl seiler carl seiler he was up at palomar yes yeah. for a while and he did something similar, but it was just you would break out into a coach on one. Whoever didn't go for the ball, just that player. Yeah, I guess I, I know the coach on one stuff. I just have a tough time with 13 people Two. standing yeah. and yeah. one person doing it. And you can beat that person up or whatever. I just, I want this to be a team thing that everybody owns. I think that's a great point, uh, too. And yeah. so, uh, you know, if that one person, if it happens all the time to the same person, I guess maybe got to take them out for a tutorial maybe and get them you know just put a sub in uh, maybe that's awesome. it but i just uh, yeah i think we can uh there are ways to do it and then i think the other stuff about heart we have to we have to talk about too is that when the ball's not in play you know and you know i'm a big huddle guy and i want yes. to huddle the same all the time subbing you know are players sprinting in and out are they connecting with teams when they go in the game uh body language I think all those things are, you know, related to heart. Really cool. So it's awesome. That's it. That's the skill. Kind of a weird one. Teaching your team to play with heart. Hopefully we can uh, always do a little bit better job of that because sometimes when you play teams and they're going for stuff that your team and I, 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 I leave going, I'm not doing a very good job coaching. Well, I remember one year I was at La Jolla and uh, obviously you were at Bishops and you said to me like, yeah, we used to just be able to kind of just play hard and beat you guys. Yeah. And I took that as a compliment because yeah. now you got to play hard and have some technique <laughs> yeah. to beat us. <laughs> and you still did, <laughs> but you know, we, we were, we were playing with heart at least, which right. is a great hey, first hard. start yeah. for hey. everyone. I think. Right. And everybody can do it. It's not, it's not a talent. Thing. Absolutely. All those things are just about effort. Right? That's so cool. And I'd love to hear what the, the uh, listeners think too. So if you have some listeners, we'll put a question in the, uh, in the show notes and, see what you guys have for playing hard too because it's definitely something we're all trying to get so cool all right so the scenario all right, scenario so the scenario for this week is building on um something we talked about last week which is my team plays better in matches than i'm sorry in practice than in matches right and today what we're going to talk about well last week what we talked about is is that true 
Right. Right. And this week, what we're talking about is if it is true, what are some mental training remedies? Right. Because we got into some of the physical remedies last time as far as, you know, hey, what are you doing in practice physically? Yeah. Uh, but the mental skills and you're a, you're an expert there. And that's something that I need work with. So well, and this was my major in college. And this is something that I've definitely put a lot of stock in. Um, with all my teams, and I'm gonna just run through a list of about 13 things. 13, wow, okay. And this is short though, and okay. there's just things to, for people to think about. You probably wouldn't do all of these at well, once. Well, and what fits with your coaching stuff. Exactly. And having right. this menu and going, ah, that's not really not me, but that might be me. Right, absolutely. So the first thing we wanna do is train with game-like realism. And a practice is never gonna have the same game-like realism as a match. So I think it has to be more internal. The coach can create some of that stuff through scoring systems and et cetera, but really, can you put yourself in a mental state where you are acting as if you're in the match? And I have a really short Kobe story where Kobe's practicing before everyone gets up. They all come to practice and Kobe's just doing the most routine drills, but everyone that saw him noticed there was something different about what he was doing because of the level of precision and intensity that he's doing they're the simplest drills just catch and shoot drills but he's doing it with game like realism every time and uh it's hard to get that game like realism but if you do you will get better quickly and that's well it gets back into that effort and almost that heart we were just talking about absolutely absolutely so can you train with heart and not just want to win when the match is on the line can you want to win in practice six weeks before you compete or whatever next the alter ego, and this kind of goes into the game like realism. When you step between the lines to practice, you are a different person than you are in real life. I know Lewis is big on this. Stuff. Yeah, <laughs> Lewis is big on this, right? And I like it too because I was like this. Like I was a super nice kid, but on the court, I was just like super edgy and like angry. <laughs> and, you know, uh, I got better with sort of some composure stuff. But I think the thing that I always did was play hard. And if you are on those lines trying to be the same, person you are that's not exactly going to feed into that game like realism right so kobe had the black mamba you know everyone has a different alter ego but you want to be a tougher more dialed in version of yourself right three proof of competence everyone talks about confidence but you want to be showing yourself that you are actually competent so can i do 10 out of 10 serves that will give me realistic confidence, right? And hey, you did 10 out of 10 serves in practice. There's no difference than doing that in the game. So having some proof will give you competence and will give you confidence, right? So I love this one. And this one I want to tie to the mean coaches. Like my good buddy and I always talk about mean coaches because I think we think we're kind of nicer coaches. Um, but I think one of the things that mean coaches do well is if you've made it through a mean coach's practice, you feel like you've done something. Yeah. You feel confident. You that feel is some like of that physical training that I've never really been into, right? But right. players come out of that sometimes, ah, oh, I got pushed so hard. Right. They, you know, and so there's something to be said for that. That's interesting. Yeah. So can they feel confident by feeling competent, right? Four, visualize real opponents. One of the things you can do is, especially if you have a team that's kind of been neck and neck with you, like I know you and Parker, you're like, Parker's not going to let that drop. You, know? <laughs> you visualize a real opponent versus playing against your second team. Right. When you play against your second team or mixed teams, it just doesn't have the same edge that you need for competition that you would in a real match. So can you actually visualize, you know, Wave or T-Street or whoever that's going to really be a great challenge for you? And can you do that while you're practicing, right? Yeah, I, I like them. it. 
Um, competition versus learning trade-offs. This is one that I think um, I've become guilty of often where we'll have these great learning practices, but they don't embrace competition as much. And obviously in competition, it's all competition. And there's no like, hey, great you know, way to learn that. I mean, the coaches are saying that, but the environment doesn't promote that, right? right. So are you balancing learning and competition in your practice? And just because you had a great learning practice doesn't mean you achieved at a high level. So that's something you want to look at too. So yeah, I, I kind of like that idea of, and one of the things I'm experimenting with a little bit is shorter time blocks of things. Yes. And just putting little bits of competition in the middle where you have to go kind of from zero to 60, yes. right? Hey, we were learning stuff. We just had water. Hey, it's 14, 13. Let's play. Yep. Right. I love and so it. can they get good at, moving from one to the other right yes. we always, oh my players weren't prepared we had too t too much time off not enough time off and can we get them out of that kind of excuses and into hey we're ready drop of a dime to play yep and get re ready to play our best i love that one yeah that's yeah. a great point um the winner joy and the loser sting this is one that we often don't have in practice as much and you try to recreate it with running and stuff like that but there's nothing like the sting of losing when your pride is on the line. And there's nothing like the pride of winning when your pride is on the line. So can you get some of that in your practice? And it's not like you really want to make them feel bad, but there has to be a game like realism to it. And the results have to matter of your competition. Hey, the putting coaches in some things do that. That's a good because point. coaches, yeah. there seems to be a heightened level of competition <laughs> a lot of times. Yes. Those coaches yeah. don't like to lose. No, right? exactly. And if you beat a coach, you know you're doing something right. really good. So, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I also like the idea of training partners. So a lot of times the best player on your team may not have anyone who can realistically push them. So you get someone that knows them well enough to know what they need to work on and have them be their training partner. Okay. So I like that one. Um, also, statting and grading practice. So like if you're only, um, you know, playing games, but you're not keeping track of the stuff and seeing who does poorly and who does well, that could be one way to increase the game like realism where in matches you're constantly being evaluated. Is there accountability? Accountability, exactly. Right. And I, I, I could stat practice more for sure. And then this idea of the value of comparison, right? So if you're comparing yourself to someone that can be really motivating and it can also be very um, challenging and that's what you want, right? So um, can I compare myself to my old grade? So like last practice, I passed a 2.1. Now I'm gonna try to pass a 2.2. Whereas if you just like, oh, today I passed well in practice, yesterday I passed okay. You know, it's not as, you don't have that discernment. Nine, avoiding distractions. And this has been a big challenge for my team. It's just staying free of distractions throughout the whole practice. In the matches, you need that. In practice, you need that too. And it's just so much easier to be distracted. Hey, it is really tough with young teams at, at you know in our in our club gym. Oh my goodness! Just because yes. these young teams are there, and you're you know they're you're trying to teach something, a learning environment, and you look to the next court, and you know these eighteen year old kids are just bombing. Balls oh, yeah. there. They're just gone. <laughs> totally. yeah. Absolutely. Or the it's boys tough. are playing. Or the boy. All right. Oh my yeah. goodness! It's yeah. like I have a sixteen year old girls team, and the boys yeah. are playing next to us, and it's like, hello, we got practice. <laughs> Anyways, and then need, and the same. With the same token, you need to stretch that focus longer and longer and longer. So sometimes staying in the block for a while or staying in random for a while can help them stretch their focus. Um, shedding poor play. Like it's easy to shed poor play in practice because you're just moving on to the next thing. 
Um, but in matches, it's much more difficult for them to get rid of poor plays right. Right, and, and lose them. And then I'm going to add two more things. There's no such thing as a gamer. I actually 50% believe this. I tell my teams this, but I say there's no such thing as a gamer. You have to earn everything you do in practice. If you think you're a gamer, you are wrong <laughs> because yeah. ultimately someone will come up who's just as skilled as you and you will be challenged. And if you haven't done the work in practice, you're not going to be ready. And then the other thing is personal ownership. Like I feel a lot of them view the weight of practice or the value of practice lies in the team. When if you took it a little bit more individually and said, look, I'm going to make this practice great today. I'm going to be the one that makes our practice so awesome. I think that's really valuable. All right. So a bunch of bunch, a little How about I got a couple things yeah, to throw your way. Yeah. How about I know Lewis is into this one too, because he he does a lot, a lot of this stuff. What about journals? I love it. I love it. Lewis is the best with the journals. And I, I've gotten lukewarm response from my team on the journaling. Um, but he does it so consistently that he gets a really good response. Yeah, I think you yeah. have to be all in yeah. as a coach to do it. I did it in the old days. I've I've kind of gotten away from it. Uh, my high school team, they're they're so academic and they Know, I'm trying to say, hey, this is a kind of a freedom to come in, to be, yeah. and and so I, I've gotten away from it, but uh, I'm always thinking that maybe I'm I'm missing the boat yeah. a little bit. And then this one probably permeates a lot of the ones that that you mentioned there, and that is this idea of self-talk. Absolutely. And I'm yeah. trying to be a little more aware of. Uh, like even getting rid of the my bads. Oh yeah, right. I love that. And that yes. and that was something that hey, we're not you know we're not assigning blame, right? Either to yourself or anybody else. We're exactly. just trying to get better. <laughs> you know, right. Yes. Yes. A lot of times they feel it's okay to blame themselves, right? When well, they we, wouldn't we, blame someone else. Well, right. Yeah. Yes. And so I think right. That, we would never say you're bad. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so but, if but you're not going to say you're up, bad, yeah, then, they'll beat themselves up. But right. It's not productive right yeah that's a really good one i love it exactly all right so what's our videos you can so find videos yeah so well we talk about teams that play with heart and i think you, you look at penn state under russ oh yeah and his teams just i Always. think all the teams yes. that played against him they were the best coverage team they dug he always had ds's that were kind of you know playing you know mad defense and so he has a defensive emergency move video uh, the one thing that he said that I really like is, hey, he's not a big pre-hop guy. Right. And he's, hey, the hitter goes up, my defender goes down. I like Super this simple. Yes. Hitter goes up, defender goes down. Like and that. get That's on your cool. feet and then make a move. I like that. Okay. Uh, and then the next one is a four-step progression. This is a men's assistant at Benedictine University. This guy named Lucas Yanez. And I like the progression, his defensive progression, because – it's hard doing that, you know, those oh, defensive yeah. moves. And I think we need to teach it. We just can't say go for it. Right. We have to make sure that they're comfortable doing it and they can stay safe. And hey, yeah. we want when they make that move, we want them to get the ball, of course, but we also want them not to get hurt so they can make the move on the next play. Right. <laughs> if, right. If, if they're, <laughs> one if they're in so much pain that they can only make one move, <laughs> it's not going to help us. And then the last one is, of course, uh, John Dunning and Morgan Hentz. Oh, yes. And hey, Morgan Hentz is fun to watch. And you talk oh, yeah. about a player with a big heart. Oh, yeah. Uh, and John was working with her. And it was individual. Uh, kind of interview uh so fun stuff fun stuff all three videos will be on the aoc site yep on uh, our show notes yep for sure okay well and we got How about a the resource. resource what is and it? this resource is a really cool resource and i first met this guy when i was on 
the Volley Nerd podcast, which is my you know first project, and his name is Daniel Masail, and he's a 20-year pro, and he had an interesting journey. He went, he wanted to see the world in his pro journey, so he went to all these different countries to play pro. It was really cool. But then he got the American guy. He's or? a Brazilian. Oh, Brazilian. He's okay. Brazilian. He um, ended up hurting his shoulder, and then he's been on this really well-documented recovery path. Okay. And now he's got a source on Instagram called Volley Movement. And I love it because it's got not only a bunch of great philosophies from a guy that's been a 20 year pro. Um, and I mean, he was legit, like he was really good. Um, but it's also shows his sort of, I guess, frustration with getting hurt, how to think about getting hurt, how to recover once you're hurt. And he has some ideas in there that are uh, you don't hear that much. Like he has this one question. Um, if a tendon is sore, but it gets better with recover uh, when you warm up, is that a sign that I need to do something about it? And it, basically he's like, yes and no. I mean, he goes into this idea that tendons take longer to recover than muscles. And often we overlook tendons as being something that can get worn out or snap or any of these right. things. And uh, he's just got a bunch of great ideas and it actually shows his recovery process. He had a hurt shoulder and um, just a bunch of great tips on how to play volleyball and coupled with his pro volleyball video. So he's got a bunch of with really cool video on there. So Good it's awesome. stuff. Yeah. All right. I got to check it out. Absolutely. It's a new one for me. Yeah. So what a great episode. All right. Super stoked. So as usual, you can check out the videos in our show notes and be sure to check out our social network stuff. We're on AOC.TheVolleyPod on Instagram and the Volleypod on Twitter. So great episode, Todd. All Thanks right. A lot. Well done, Davis. Thank you. Thank you. See you next time. Bye-bye.